Thanks for listening to this message brought to you by Cornerstone Christian Church. For these and other great resources, please visit us at sparkswillfly.cc. Let's go to Luke chapter 17, and uh, we'll get started right here. Luke chapter 17. Amen. You there? Let's pray right quick. Father, we just thank you for everything that's happened in this room this morning. And Father, we just ask, Lord, that you would you would just, your word is already anointed. It needs no help. I'm the one that needs to help. So Father, I pray that you would help me. You would help me preach good this morning. Open our ears that we may hear. And let us uh, just really... Um, let us just see a new part of you this morning, in Jesus' mighty name, amen. Now, I stayed up really, really late. I'm a, I'm a, I'm a guy that, those that know me, uh, when I preach, I take a Xerox piece of copying paper, whatever, fold it over twice, and usually I can put two messages in that folded over space, so I'm not a guy that uses a lot of notes, but I've always said I want to learn how to use a lot of notes. Sometimes too many notes for a preacher is dangerous. Shout amen. And uh, <laughs> I have—I remember I had uh, somebody cast the devil out that light over there, but I had, uh, <laughs> I had a guy come preach for me one time, and uh, he had like, I don't know, it was probably 15 or 20 pages to preach for an hour and 45 minutes when he got done. He said, how did I do? I said, man, let me just say this. You don't have to preach everything that you wrote. Sometimes just hit the high points. Today I have a lot of ground to cover, but I really believe that we're right on track. Uh, how many would say this, that throughout the fast, that that the Lord just, you've been hearing the voice of the Lord just way more clearly. I mean, God just talking to us. That's the way I feel. I, I've really been uh, at a place to where I really believe I'm hearing clearly from the Lord. And uh, and and so that was one of the things that I targeted out uh, to fast for is just revelation to give us wisdom in the season that we're at, and just how to get, just get it further down the road as um, as as Junior said. So let's go in this morning. I want to talk about a fun subject. This subject, everyone in here will deal with what I'm going to talk about. I told you, uh, whatever on Sundays, I will preach encouragement. I'm going to try to help us uh, just with our lives. And then on Wednesday night, I'm going to be preaching on leadership and the wine skin and things like that. So this morning, the subject that I have, there's not a person in this room that does not deal with this. How many would say that there's sometimes, maybe not today, but in times past in your walk with God, that you've been in a service? and everybody else seems like they feel God, but you seem like it's just hard for me to feel God. How many would say that? Am I the only one? Or everybody's weeping and you're sitting there and I mean you I mean you ain't got nothing to cry about so you Googling sad stories to try to make yourself cry to fit in. But uh, or, or how many times, how many would just honestly say this? Sometimes I just feel like that there's some things there between me and my relationship with God. Has anybody else ever walked with that? So this morning I want us to look at something. So uh, let's look at this in, in Luke chapter 17. I'm going to begin reading in verse 1. And then he said to the disciples, it is impossible. Look, this is Jesus. 
It is impossible that no offenses should come, but woe to him through they do come. It would be better for him if a millstone were hung around his neck and he were thrown into the sea and that he then he should offend one of these little ones. Look at this in verse 3. Take heed to yourself. If your brother sins against you, uh, rebuke him. And if he repents, forgive him. And if he sins against you seven times in a day, seven times in a day returns to you saying, I repent, you shall forgive him. And the apostle said, uh, to, and the apostle said to the Lord, increase our faith. Now, how many has ever read, uh, uh, John Bevere's book, The Bait of Satan? If you've read that book, how many raise your hands high? Lord, have mercy. We've got to get some books in here, Junior. I mean, that is one of the best books. Every Christian should have that book on your shelf. John Bevere is a phenomenal five-fold teacher. Um, and so today, I will use a lot of his stuff. So if you say, well, I'm already giving you up front. Most preachers won't tell you where they're digging from. But I'm telling you right up front, I'm fixing to bring you really a synopsis of John Bevere's book. And we're going to use the scriptures out of the Bible. When Jesus said that it is impossible, listen, what he said is it is impossible to go through life without the ability to be offended. How many knows if you've been serving God long enough that if you go to church, Come on, somebody. You're going to have plenty of opportunity to be offended. There's nothing that's going to hurt us if the opportunity arises. What's going to hurt us with what we do with the opportunity when it arises. And so this word offense, according, uh, you know, if you read uh, The Bait of Satan by John Bevere, he, he said that, that that word offense comes from the Greek word uh, scandaling, which is the place, it, it, it describes a place in a trap. I actually was going to bring a trap, but I forgot and left it this morning. But uh, the boys have a raccoon trap, and, and what it is is it has an opening at the, at the back, and then there's a place at the front of the trap that, uh, that you would place sardines or a can of tuna fish in or whatever. And it is a place where you put the bait and so that the animal would go into the rear of the trap, go to the bait, and as he, as he takes the bait, what happens is the door at the rear of the trap shuts and the animal is entrapped in that cage. So thus, what Jesus is talking about a fence, he's talking about a tool, if you will, of the enemy that he uses as an entrapment that lays in our way and once we take his bait, what we need to realize is we have now become entrapped in our lives. You with me? Alright, now notice this, that the disciples didn't ask for faith when Jesus commanded them in Matthew chapter 10 to go raise the dead, to preach the gospel, to heal the sick, to open blind eyes and deaf ears. When Jesus gave them that command, they went. They didn't ask for faith to increase. But when Jesus said, when I'm telling you that if your brother comes and he sins against you seven times in a day, and if he comes back to you saying, I'm sorry, you've got to forgive him. And the apostles looked at Jesus and said, oh Lord, increase our faith. How many knows that it is a very difficult thing to do when we've been done wrong? Come on, somebody or we perceive that we've been done wrong to forgive somebody forgiveness doesn't mean that I trust you 
It doesn't mean that I'm going to go out to dinner with you. But forgiveness is something that I do in my heart saying, God, I release that person of the judgment that I think they deserve. Y'all all right? Let's go on. Now, offended people produce fruits such as hurt, anger, outrage, jealousy, resentment, strife, bitterness, hatred, and envy. Now let's look at this verse of scripture in Psalms 55. Psalms 55, go there with me. I've got several uh, scripture texts I want to read this morning. Psalms 55. In verse 12, For it is not an enemy who reproaches me, then I could bear it. Nor is it one who hates me, who has exalted himself against me, then I could hide from him. But it was you, a man of my equal, my companion and my acquaintance. We took sweet counsel together and walked to the house of, the, of God in the throne. Now notice this. Listen, here's a fact right here. The truth is only those who you care about can offend you. If I meet some stranger on the street today and he says, hey, you fat, bald-headed man, that's not going to bother me. But how many knows if my wife was to stand up and says, you're an ugly, fat, bald-headed man. That might bother me. How many knows that the worst hurts come from your family? Come on, somebody. And it comes from your church family. This is what David was saying. I could have took it if it was the man that I was just down at the ball field with, but this was a man of my equal. This is somebody we went to lunch together. How many has ever seen relationships totally destroyed because of something happened? Come on now. And there was an offense that happened, and what it does is it brings division in our life. God is not for division. He is for unity friend the Bible says in Psalms 133 how blessed is when the brethren dwell in unity there I will command the blessing we don't have to ask God where a spirit of unity is God would you bless us he said I'm commanding the blessing on that but offense comes to divide us alright let's go on look at this verse of scripture in Proverbs 18 verse 1 it says a brother offended is harder to win than a strong city. And contentions are like the bars of a castle. Strong cities had walls around them. These walls assured their protection. Listen to this. You will always be able to discern somebody when they're walking in a fence because they will have walls around their life. What they're saying is, you're not getting into me. I'm not going to have intimacy. Intimacy is into me. See, I'm not going to walk with you on that level because I've been wounded. That's right. The my God, help me right here. And we wonder why we dry up and die in the house of God. It's because you have walls. Nothing can penetrate that. It's a fear mechanism. The fear of your heart says, hey, I've been done wrong one time, I'll be done wrong again. Come on, son. We gotta break that mentality off of our life. Come on, somebody. Our greatest example is the Lord Jesus who was done wrong. Come on, somebody. Who knew no sin became sin that we may be free. Every one of the 12 left him. Come on. John was the only one that followed him from afar. And the Bible says Jesus looking at them said, Father, forgive them for they do not know what they do 
Even when Jesus came to Peter, remember he told Peter, you're going to deny me three times before the rooster crows. He didn't come out and say, Peter, I can't believe it, you big loser. Remember when he saw Peter? Went back to fishing. He just said, Peter, if you love me, Listen, I got plans bigger than what you can see. At this moment, all you see is your failure. But I'm telling you to look past that failure right there. If you love me, feed my sheep. An offended brother is hard to win, harder to win, Proverbs says, than a strong-willed city. There's Mr. Tom in here. Most would say this. Probably you would agree with me. Probably the divorce cases are some of the most ugliest cases in court. Why? Because two people that love one another, honor one another, when they split, things get ugly. How many knows there's no win in a divorce? I worked with a guy one time and he said, guys, listen, he said, in a divorce, it's split 50-50. She gets the car, you get the pavement. You, she gets the house, you get the mortgage. Y'all all right? This is not a chest bumping message. Listen to this, there's two, two categories of offended people. Those who've been treated unjustly and those who believe they've been treated unfairly. Let me say this, every time, most of the time in my life, when I believe I've been treated unfairly, it is usually skewed in my imagination. I'm not saying that things were not done to me, but I'm saying this, the enemy has a way of amplifying what really happened. And instead of going to the person like the Word instructs us, the people we go to is our posse. Because what we want to do is validate for the way we're living. This is not... Let's go on right here. Listen. How many, believe, how many knows Joseph in the Bible? How many believe Joseph was done wrong? Listen, if you have been done wrong, you still don't have a right to carry an offense. Joseph had a dream, and in Joseph's dream, he was 17 years old, and God gave him a dream. He's, the first dream he saw, like these sheaves, and he saw his sheaf uh, going up above the, uh, the other sheaves, bowing down to his sheaf. And so anyhow, the, God gave him a dream that his brothers and his family was going to bow down and serve him. And so he goes to his brothers, think about it, the church family. The church family would probably be what we would hope to be excited about our dreams. What I found out that everybody you're in relationship with is not excited about your dreams. Because the church is full of jealous, envy, and all other kind of things. And we wonder why we can't get people healed of cancer. Come on, somebody. We wonder why we can't walk in the deeper things of God. Listen, what we got to understand is the kingdom of God doesn't come with the observation of men's eyes. Jesus said, for the kingdom of God is within you. So all kingdom issues are heart issues, friend. Come on, somebody. That's why Proverbs 4 says, guard your heart, for out of it flows the issues of life. So Joseph tells his dreams to his brothers. His brothers said, we're not about to bow down to you. So they, 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 they take him out and they throw him in a pit. And then Judah says, hey, here comes a, 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 van, a caravan of Ishmaelites. Let's sell him as a slave. We ain't going to profit nothing if we throw him in the pit. And so they sell Joseph as a slave. You got to understand, he's got a dream in his heart. You got to understand, when he was sold into slavery, what they were saying is, we're stripping you of your inheritance. Your children's 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 children is going to be born into slavery. Joseph gets sold as a slave. He finally ends up at Potiphar's house. He's got a dream in his heart. And all of a sudden, God starts working with him. He's at advancing in Potiphar's house and then things are 
seemingly going good, at least for a slave, but Potiphar's wife has got her eyes on Joseph. And every day she tries to seduce him. And finally, when he won't cave in, she cries out and says that Joseph raped her. And then the Bible says that Potiphar threw him in prison. He wasn't thrown in a federal prison like we know today. He didn't have a basketball court. What no tennis court. What no TV. He was in a total black dungeon hole and he was given just enough food to survive. To stay alive. So in this place in the prison, in this place in the prison, Joseph is, he still believes it. He still believes in his dream. He still got a hold to it. How many knows that Joseph was a human? You got you, you to think that thoughts are going through his mind. All of this, uh, God, you're the one gave me the dream. All I was doing is trying to share what you told me. Look at what it's got me. And so the Bible says that Joseph interpreted two dreams in the prison. And one was, it came to him, a guy was going to be restored back to the king. The other one, he saw a basket full of bread. I always cut up with Junior and called him and said, I had a dream last night. I had a dream that I was handing a cup back to the king, but you were running with a basket full of bread on your head. He like, quit. <laughs> so anyhow, the man that was running with a basket full of bread said he's going to die the next day. And so anyhow, uh, Joseph interpreted the dream, and so he looked at the guy that was being restored to the king. He said, remember me when you get out of this place. You tell Pharaoh who I really am, and and you tell him about the anointing that's upon my life. And then the scripture says it was two more full years. Two more full years before they remembered Joseph and Pharaoh had a dream. Remember in his dream that Pharaoh had a dream of seven fat cows and seven skinny cows. And he went through all of his musicians and all of his soothsayers to interpret the dreams. And nobody could interpret the dreams. And the man remembered, hey, there's a man down there in prison, Joseph. I had a dream. And he interpreted the dream and it was exactly the way he said. So they bring Joseph out of the prison and he said, Pharaoh, here's the meaning of your dreams. There's coming seven years that we're going to make money hand over fist. Crops are going to grow like you've never seen before. They're going to produce a hundredfold, but then after the seven prosperous years, there's coming seven skinny years. So we got to store up grain for the seven skinny years. Y'all right, I'm giving you a lot of Bible this morning. You won't have to read it tonight when you go home. Listen, and so in this, Joseph interprets this dream. He still got the dream in his heart. Pharaoh puts him in command of everything, all of the storehouses. He's in command. Think about the, the thoughts that he was having about his brothers. He's now 39 years old. He ain't seen his daddy or his brother since he was 17 when they sold, when they sold him. Listen, the enemy will always give us thoughts of retail. I'm telling you, that is never in the heart of God. Come on, friend. How many nights did he lay there thinking and plotting the schemes in his mind? I'll tell you what, I'm going to get my brothers. One day, one day God's going to allow me to get vengeance. One day he's going to vindicate my case. What I'm learning is God sees things a whole lot different than the way I see them. He said, my ways are not your ways. My ways are so much higher than your ways. I'm telling you, the God of heaven desires mercy and not judgment, friend. Come on, we are a bunch of people that love judgment. We want to see someone get what's coming to them but God didn't excite he wasn't excited for you to get what was coming to you he made a way through Jesus come on friend so so now the famine is hit hard in the land and Joseph's brothers Jacob says we got to get to Egypt we don't have nothing to eat do you got to understand God is also working with a promise through Abraham that through your seeds going to be many nations. 
God, help me right here. Think about Jacob. Think about Joseph who was done wrong. If he would have mishandled what, if he would have mishandled his brothers, he would have cut off the promise that God gave to Abraham. Come on now. I'm telling you, God sees further than we can see, friend. We can only see right now and our mess right now where we're at. That's why I tell you, sometimes we just gotta hang loose because God has already seen the end. His brothers show up in Egypt. Joseph recognizes them. My God, here's my chance. They come before Joseph and they bow down right in front of him. Now he remembers what he saw when he was 17 years old. Now he's 39. Just God, God did it just like he said he would. Now think about this. A man that had every right to beat the tar out of them, to kill them for what they had done. This is what he did. This is how he instructed them. He said, you take, Jacob sent them out and he put money in each of their bags. And he said, so that they could come by it. Joseph instructed them. He said, I want you to fill their bags full of grain and the money that they come brought with, I want you to put the money back in the sack. Can I tell you that Jesus said this? He said, bless them that persecute you. He said to bless them, bless them, bless them that persecute you, bless them that hate you. So they go back and they come back. What I'm saying is a man that had every right to hold something to get them against his own brothers. If Joseph could let that go, don't you think we could let somebody go today? Hello. Don't you think we can let, you know what I found the truth out in my life. Every time I'm, I, I'm offended, every time I don't want to forgive, I realize that the other person is not the one that's in prison. I'm the one that's in prison. I'm held to it. I'm trying to pray God advance me to the next level. Pastor Dale used to say it best like this. He said it don't matter if you run all the way down the football field and you spike the ball and you do the dirty bird and every other thing. If that ankle slipped out of that white chalk line, you got to bring the ball all the way back I'm saying that sometimes we're trying to pray to get to the next level and we're saying God why ain't you bless me God why ain't you move me to the next level and God's pointing back there where our foot slipped out of the line of offense and unforgiveness and say hey when you deal with that I can bring you back up here where you need to be now here's another thing I want to look at I'm having to plow a little bit with a shot I'm having to plow my own life David was anointed to be king by Samuel. Later he was called to the king's palace to play and minister to Saul. Think about this. He, the prophet Samuel pulls up to his house, pours a ram's horn of oil over his head, and says that you, I'm going to anoint you to be king. Now think about this. He's just like you and I. He's trying to figure out how am I going to get to my destiny? What doors are going to be open for my life that I can enter into my destiny? Now Saul's got an evil spirit upon him. That's what the Bible says, right? And so he just needed somebody that could play an instrument or something to whatever. And so David come in and he would play his harp and minister unto the Lord. And as David would play his harp and minister unto the Lord, the Bible says that the evil spirit would, would depart from Saul. And we're going to look at it in a minute. And there was such a bond that Saul loved David more than everybody else in the palace. He had this close relationship with him. And David saw him as a father figure. Listen, some of the people we, 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 we should be able to trust the most has done the most damage to us. 
Are you with me? Not only the brothers and sisters mess us up, mothers and fathers mess us up. And so everything's rocking good. David is instructed by his dad to take some cheese and crackers down to the war to his brothers and find out how his brothers are faring and find out how Israel's, do, Israel's doing in the battle. So David goes down there, takes the cheese and crackers. He, uh, he, uh, he, he sees Goliath come out. They've been held up. Uh, and so he hears Saul come out and say, who in the world could ever take this giant down? He ain't going to have to pay taxes. That's enough to make anybody move right there. Come on, somebody. He ain't going to have to pay taxes. Glory to God. And uh, not only that, uh, I'm going to give him I'm going to my house. I'm going to give him my daughter. I mean, things are going to be good for this man. David hears that. He says, you know what? Hey, God's helped me defeat a lion and a bear, for surely God can help me take out this giant. Come on now. And so he takes out the giant, and he comes back, and as they're going into town, he's walking with his father he's walking with Saul and the women start the women come out in the streets and they begin to sing this song and they begin to sing Saul has slain his thousand but David has slain his ten thousand let me say this from that moment on the scripture says that Saul began to eye David and he was jealous of David and the jealousy got so strong that he pursued David to take his own life now let me say this, none of us, all of us in this room has had words spoken against us, but none of us has had to live on the run being hunted down from somebody who hates us, probably. So if anybody's got a right to be ticked off, it's David. But let me tell you something, along the way, God does not only, listen, promotion doesn't come without a test. And God is constantly sliding tests in our lane every day. God is constantly bumping into us to see what's in our heart. Say, so, well, I didn't know that was there. Listen, when somebody went, you take, you take somebody that's into, uh, um, let's just say this. You take someone, someone says, well, I'm going to tithe if I, you know, if I ever made enough money. You're never going to tithe. Let me just say this. Or somebody was to go rogue because they, hand, say, say for instance, somebody goes rogue if they're handed a lot of money. Walk away from God and just go live wicked. You know what I'm saying? How many knows that, wasn't, that, that, that the money didn't do that? Right. The opportunity just revealed what was already hidden in the heart. That's right. This is why the tests come bump us. So David, David has to get out of the palace. Now think about it. He's got a promise in his life that God said he was going to be king. At least I was in the king's house being developed by the king for surely I was ready to go right to the throne. Now the king has turned against me. Not only that, he's pursuing my life. So much so that when he found out where David was hiding, he killed the king of that city, the women and children, their dogs, everything. What God told him to do to the Amicalites, he didn't do, but he did to that king and, 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 and that city because they was harboring David. And David's on the run for his life. Now I want us to look at these verses scriptures closely right here. In the, in the, in the moments that we have right here. Let's look at, uh, go with me to 1 Samuel 24. 1 Samuel chapter 24. Now let me just say this. This is, this is, I, I just, this is just the way it is. The sons, a lot of time, will have more anointing more gifting, and will accelerate faster than what the Father did. So if we realize that, 
But what we've got to do is we've got to grow to a place that we don't sabotage the children that God is trying to raise up through us. Well, let's just say you started out in business and you made, you made $80,000 the first year. Probably what's going to happen through the process of momentum, the son's going to make three hundred the first year. And what God's going to do is give us the opportunity to test our own heart to see if envy and jealousy is rising in there. Hello. Envy and jealousy is not an issue amongst fathers. It's an issue amongst brothers and sisters. You don't hear a dad in the stand after, listen, every time Grant hit a home run, I wasn't upset that he's beating my record. I'm sitting there thinking, whose kid is that? Anybody know, anybody know that kid? Why? You're excited for him. Now let's look at this. In 1 Samuel chapter 24, verse 11, it says, Moreover, my father, Look at how David is viewing Saul. Moreover, my father, see, yes, see the corner of your robe in my hand. For in that I cut off the corner of your robe and did not kill you. Know and see that there, know and see that there is neither evil nor rebellion in my hand. Um, neither uh, rebellion in my hand, and I have not sinned against you, yet you hunt my life to take it. Look at this in 1 Samuel. Um, 26, now the Zephonites came to Saul at Gebel and saying, is David not hiding in the hill uh, opposite of Jeshman? Then Saul arose and went down to the wilderness of Zeph, having 3,000 chosen men of Israel with him to seek David in the wilderness of Zeph. And Saul encamped in the hill uh, which is opposite of Jeshman, and by the road. But David stayed in the wilderness, and he saw that Saul came after him into the wilderness. David therefore sent out spies and understood that Saul had indeed come. So David arose and came to the place where Saul had encamped. And David saw the place where Saul lay, and Abner the son of Ner, and the commander of his army. Now Saul lay within the camp with the people encamped all around him. Then David answered and said to him, Hamalek the Hittite and Abishai the son of Zariah the brother of Joab saying who will go down with me to Saul in the camp and Abishai said I will go down with you so David said Abishai come, came to the people by night and there Saul laying sleeping within the camp with his spear tucked in the ground by his head and Abner and the people lay all around him then Abishai said to David God has delivered into your hand this day. Now therefore, please let me strike him at once with this spear right to the earth, and I will not have to strike him a second time. But David said to Abishai, Do not destroy him, for you who can stretch out his hand against the Lord, anointed and be guiltless. Look at this. Here was a man on the run for his life. This man pursued after him. Could you imagine having to live knowing that at any moment if you made the wrong turn, you were going to die because this man is on your heels. Hello. You say, well, pastor, what about the co-worker that's trying to get me fired? I'm telling you to honor God and let God handle his own business. 
Well, you just don't understand what that coach is trying to do to my child. I'm telling you from the from firsthand experience, most of the time what I'm thinking the coach is doing with my child is in my own imagination and it's coming from my own insecurity. Hello. Well, you just don't understand. I can't let my, I, I, just, I just don't know if I can stay in that church. I just don't know about the leadership. The Bible says that Hannah promised, promised Samuel to God. And she took, she took young Samuel around the age of five and six to Eli, who was a wicked king, a wicked priest, excuse me. The, the Bible said he was grotesquely overweight. His sons, Hophni and Phinehas, were sleeping with the women at the door of the church. How many knows that's a rough situation? Well, I just don't know if I can say it in here, but here's the key. The Bible says that young Samuel ministered to the Lord. God, we'll... Well, I'm about to plow up in here a little bit today. See, the reason why we get offended in church is because we get our eyes off of Jesus. You got to come in here with saying, hey, I'm ministering to the Lord. I'm not coming in here to see the lattice fad or what the worship team's gonna do or how the preacher's gonna move me today. I'm coming because I'm coming to minister to the Lord. And we've got to get this idea. The Bible says those that are planted in the house of the Lord, those shall flourish. I've heard Sister Mary make a statement a couple weeks ago. Sister Mary here called out by name. Hello, give us a shout. And this is what she said. She told me she was telling me something. She said, but here's the deal. I'm planted. That doesn't mean she agrees with everything I'm doing. It doesn't even mean that she likes everything that's going on. But it realized God planted me in that soul. And if he planted me, hello, I'm to minister unto God and let him take care of the rest. My God, that's good preaching. Anybody been planted before? I wanted to leave, but my feet were stuck because God's got a bigger plan than what I can see right now. Now think about it. This man's pursuing me. He's trying to get me fired. This man is underneath my skin. Now, the scripture says that God put Saul and his army in a sleep. David's right-hand man. These were men that were jacked up. These were men that were in debt, in distress, jacked up. I mean, cast away nobodies that joined themselves into the cave with David, and David raised them up. So this man, I'm going to tell you something, he loves David. David's his, David is his pastor, and he, he loves him. Now you got to believe this because I know this, that David was a man. I do believe that there was probably some lengthy conversations at night working through things in his own heart in that cave. They probably sat there and watched David weep over the condition that Saul had caused him to be in. And now David gets the opportunity. But what, but what the man with him don't understand is this is a test by God. God allowed every bit of this to happen to see what kind of leader is in David's heart. Because, because I'm not going to have a man sitting in the palace that will take his own gain, come on somebody, or that will avenge his own self. Listen to this. It is righteous for God to avenge his own people, but it is unrighteous for his people to avenge themselves. 
You ought to shout. Joel Osteen ain't going to give you that. Come on, somebody. You ought to shout on that. That's a good word right there. I said it is righteous for God to avenge us, but it is unrighteous for us to avenge ourselves. But here's the deal. We always want to be right. Has anybody else in this room, Catherine, every time we've ever got, she said, you just got to be right, don't you? You know what that is? That is stinking pride and stinking flesh that's got to die on the altar. We're never going to see a nation come together. We're never going to see true unity till we're willing to lose our rights. Look at his heart. All throughout this time, he's been pursued. He's probably got in his own fleshly mind, if I ever catch that joker, if I ever catch him at the convenience store, I'm going to hit him right in the mouth. Now, ain't nobody ever thought that, have you? Huh? Anybody ever had that? Anybody ever had them flashes where you envision yourself as Chuck Norris just going crazy on somebody? Their soul is asleep. His guy says, God, this is God, man. This is God. Kill him. He's giving him right into your hands. Take him out. This was David's response. Dude, do you not fear God? Listen to me right here. This is something we've got to understand right quick like... It's amazing to me how people can open their mouth against God's anointed. Hello, I came to talk to you. I don't care if he's fallen at the crack house. You got to understand what makes him special is not the fact that it's not the card that he totes in the wallet. It's the fact that God chose him. And the Bible says many are, cho- uh, uh, many are called, but few are chosen. There's something about the few. Come on, somebody. You either in it or you ain't. Come on now. And here's the deal. You can't choose yourself. It's done by God. But when God chooses the man, he never leaves the man. And the same measure you judge out is coming right back into your own lane. Oh, well, you know, he, he, I've heard this. Well, you know, he, that one failed, that one failed, this one failed, that one failed. And we got Christians sitting around like buzzards on a post waiting on the next one to fail when we should be sitting there saying, hey, maybe that one right there can really make it and make it to the finish line. Hello, somebody. I'm talking about where we're living at in old hearts. David said, hold on. Dude, you're jacked up. This ain't God. This, this ain't God right here. Regardless, I know, I know there's an evil spirit on the man. I witnessed that with my own eyes. I had to play the harp to get the thing off of him. But I'm telling you right now, before heaven, he's still God's man. And until God do something, we ain't doing nothing. He says so this. He said, only take the jug of water and take the spear. I'm going to let him know I was here and I could have did it, but I didn't. God, help us right here. I'm telling you that sometimes God brings the most jacked up people in our life and we, and, and we may think that we're so higher than they are or so further than they are, but that's the very thing that God brings in our life and teach us and train us. And he will give you the opportunity to walk away. Let's move on. You all right? Never going to finish this today, but we're going to get close, okay? I'm getting close to the airport. 
Let's look at this other verse of Scripture. 1 Samuel chapter 1. Let's go to 2 Samuel chapter 1. Flip right over. Look at this. Now it came to pass after the death of Saul when David had returned from the slaughter of the Amalekites, and David had stayed two days in Ziklag. On the third day, behold, it happened that a man came from Saul's camp with his clothes torn and dust on his head. So it was when he came to David that he fell to the ground and prostrated himself. And David said to him, where have you come from? So he said to him, I've escaped from the camp of Israel. Then David said to him, how did the matter go? Please tell me. And he answered and said, the people have fled from the battle. Many of the people are fallen and dead. And Saul and Jonathan, his son, are dead also. So David said to the young man who told him, how do you know that Saul and Jonathan, his son, are dead? The young man said, as I've happened by chance to be on Mount Gibor, and there was Saul leaning on his spear, and indeed the chariots and the horsemen followed hard after him. Now when he looked behind him, he saw me and called to me. And I answered, here am I. And he said, who are you? So I answered him and said, I am an Amicalite. There's so much, you could preach a sermon right there. What God told you to destroy and you won't destroy, now it's going to come back and destroy you. As a side note, that's free, okay? You go develop it and preach it. He said to me again, please stand over me and kill me, for anguish has come upon me, but my life still remains in me. So I stood over him and killed him because I was sure that he could not live after he had fallen. And I took the crown that was on his head and the bracelet that was on his arm and I have brought them here to my Lord. Now look at this. Here's a guy. He says, you know what? David's fishing to get excited today. That joker that was under his skin, that so-called father he had in the Lord that jacked him up and done him wrong, I killed him. Not only that, I got his crown and I got his bracelet. David's about to make me at the right hand on the table. He brought that news back to David. This is how that story unfolds. He says, I, got, I killed him. I was for sure he couldn't. I was for sure he couldn't live. So I put the th- sword through him. And here, David, I got you the king. I got you the crown. The enemy will always try to bring your call prematurely to you. You better listen to me. If the devil can't take you out, this is what we're always told. Every young preacher knows this. Stay away from the three G's. If you can, if you can navigate your life through the three G's, you can make it. What is that? The gold, the glory, and the girl. If you can leave them alone. But I got the girl. My God. Mm, Thank you, Jesus. You got to navigate through them. But here's the other thing. If If he can't get you with that, what he will do is put your foot on the accelerator to get you out of place that God hasn't built the character in you to stand. She said, here, David. He's already dead. This is the fulfillment to the word. Here's your crown. Here's your bracelet. David listened to him and this is what he said. He said, how dare you fear not God for touching God's anointed like that. And he ordered the man standing beside that man. He said, kill him right now. And he killed the man right in front of him. 
Now this was the heart of David. This is what I'm trying to tell you that God it wants to bring and not only in the church, he's got to bring it in the church of America. Come on somebody. You and I have got to learn how to forgive one another and let our stuff go. Who cares who was right? Let me tell you who was right. The one hanging on the cross, he was the one that was right. Come on somebody. And he loved you and I in our filthy mess. Come on somebody. When you blew it yesterday, when you watched what you shouldn't have watched on TV and he still showed up, friend. I feel God in this house. Hello, somebody. Oh, my. I feel the Holy Ghost right now. I'm telling you, I'm talking about the Holy Ghost. This is what David said. Now, let me say this. Because I know how I'm, I'm talking about my own heart. I'm not talking about your heart. We were sitting in my house. And we were looking at some people that used to be with us. That it went through a divorce. And you know what I found myself on the inside of my heart? I found myself secretly on the inside saying, see, I tried to tell other people they didn't have it. Look how right I was. Let me tell you, when I'm sitting there thinking those kind of thoughts in my heart, God in heaven is puking over the banisters of heaven saying, you make me sick. Oh, we don't want to hear no preaching like this. We just want to hear, well, you know, every time you open your mouth against another believer, let me tell you something, friend, you are sinning against God. Don't talk about pornography. Don't talk about getting drunk, smoking crack. When you run in your mouth, in your own tent, about your own brothers and sisters, you are in sin. Hello? And we wonder why God don't show up. Well, that went down like a rat sandwich. We'll swallow it. David, this was David's heart. When the news come out, he said, don't let it be told in the streets. Don't let it be, don't let it be said how the mighty have fallen. Boy, I feel you, Jesus. Don't let it be said. Don't let it be said how the mighty have fallen. I want to challenge you to look at the condition of the body of Christ. Go home. When you go home, I want you to Google this. Go home and Google Lou Engel and, and just look at the stuff that believers post on there about what they did in Ohio, how that these people are false prophets, how they're devils in sheep's clothing and all this stuff. We, think, we don't think it's... Listen, it's not your place to be the sheriff in the body of Christ. It's your place to take your place and serve God and love one another. Can I tell you... What the Bible says. Jesus said they will know we are Christians. Not by how much Bible we quote. Not by how many demons we cast out. Not by how many miracles you had in your ministry. Not what's on your car. Not the WWJD bracelet. But how we love one another. Can I get an amen in this church? I'm almost done. Got to land this plane. This ain't enough time. Romans 12, 19. 12, 19 says, Beloved, do not avenge yourselves, but rather give place to wrath. For it, is for it is written, Vengeance is mine. I will repay, saith God. Can I tell you this? If you've got a co-worker, or if you've got somebody really trying to hijack you and do, and do you harm, if you'll keep serving the Lord, the very thing that they're trying to do to you will happen in their own life. How do you know that? Because I read the book of Ruth and it happened to a man named Haman who was trying to hang Mordecai. And the very thing he went and tried to hang him with, the thing he built to try to do him is, is the very thing that took him out. 
It's, it's not your place to expose the weakness in somebody else's life when you got weakness in your own. Jesus said it best like this. He said, how do you try to remove the speck from your brother's eye when you got the, bloom, the, the whole freaking light pole in your own eye? You up there trying to get a pair of tweezers to get it out and you can't get close enough to them because the pole you got is just hitting them all inside the face. You're doing more damage with your pole than that splinter is. Hello? Say, Lord, preacher, why are you getting in our face like this? Well, because God's in my face. I just got to do what he's doing to me. John chapter 20, verse 23. Look at your neighbor and say, he's almost done. I don't have but 45 more minutes, okay? <laughs> John 20, verse 23. This is a, this is a verse of scripture that has, has often, I just often wonder what, what I, I'm just, just often wondering about it. Listen to this. If you forgive the sins of any, they're forgiven them. But if you retain the sins of any, they're retained. Notice this is Jesus talking to his disciples. If you forgive them, they're forgiven. But if you retain them, they're retained. So I'm thinking, okay, so if I don't forgive Junior, if I choose not to forgive him, is he not forgiven? Let me tell you how we retain the sins of another. Stanton and I walking in relationship in ministry. Let me clarify that. You got to do all kinds of stuff in the day we're living in. For those for the sake of the podcast and the CD that are not present with us, I'm talking about in ministry. I offend him greatly. And I hurt him and cut him deeply. Let me tell you what Jesus is saying in this text. If he forgives me, I'm forgiven. Right? But if he don't forgive me, he retains the sins. So what happened is, as he picks my sin and retains it, puts it in his life, and now the next relationship he has, he sees with the lens through that hurt because he retained the sin. That's a good preaching right there, buddy. Huh? Just because one person messed up doesn't mean the next person's going to do that. I'll ask you this, how many people, I'm not bashing anything right here, but listen to me. How many people's been divorced only to remarry and only to divorce again? Why? Because they retain the sins. Because now they expect it's a matter of time for the next man or the next woman's going to do the same thing that the previous one did. This is not easy that I'm preaching this morning. This is a difficult thing to walk out. It's one thing to get in here and preach it and sweat and hoop and holler. And you know, we go home and say, you know what? I mean, the preacher, he was preaching this morning. But it's another thing to walk it out. But I'm telling you, the only way to the heart of God is to walk it out. The only way to your wholeness is to walk it out. You will never feel, you will never get in the throne room to have true intimacy with God until you deal with unforgiveness and bitterness in our life. Now, unforgiveness starts out as just that, but it grows into bitterness, and then bitterness will grow into hatred. Then hatred will go into betrayal and even murder. Now, I want to take you back. I was reminded in prayer. 
I know that I'm probably on borrowed time, okay? And I can go ahead and tell you this. I've been in it long enough to know this. Other churches are already at the buffet, okay? The chicken's gone, the sister's at right now. So what I, I suggest, if you go there at one thirty, they all left. So you all right? Start bringing the Snickers if you got to have it. Listen, give me the time to finish this up. When I, when I first came here, I had this dream. And, then, and I would, you said, well, he had a dream. Well, I can tell you this. I've only had probably five in this category since I've been a Christian and since I've been in a ministry, which is almost 20 years. But in this, I saw a doorway open underneath a carport. There was an Indian guy there, and a guy opened the door and shot him in the back of the head. You remember me telling that dream? He fell on the ground, but I noticed what the deal was, was the same thing, was, was there was an Indian that fired the gun, and there was an Indian that was shot. And I remember saying, in the dream, I was barefooted, and I had socks, and I could feel the blood seeping up through the socks, touching my bare skin. And I was like, oh, my God, you killed this man. Oh, my God, you killed this man. And I said, I can feel his blood. I can feel his blood. And I believe what God was showing me in that dream is that is a Cain and Abel type spirit. What, listen, what you, saw, what you saw was that same spirit in Virginia on the news yesterday. Are you with me? And I'm, I'm, you might get mad for saying it, but I'm telling you the media is doing nothing but heightening it. They're not doing anything to help it. The only answer we got is the love of God. Come on, friend. And so, here's the deal. I can either be a Cain or an Abel, or I can choose to let it go, and I can choose to forgive. Now, God doesn't want us to retain the sins. He wants us to let, let it go. If we're going to walk into forgiveness, we're going to have to lose our rights. Quit worrying about which one was right. Let me say this. You will never go into a confrontation with anybody and be successful if your goal is to be right. Let me say it again. Any confrontation that you go into and the goal is to be right, you will never have a successful confrontation. With your marriage, with a brother and sister in Christ, with anything that you're doing. The goal has to always be win the person. I don't care if I'm right. As long as we're right, who cares? As long as we're right, who cares? If we live that way, let me tell you who the biggest loser was. The devil. Man, there's... A person who cannot forgive has forgotten how, much, how great a debt... God has forgiven him. I want you to finish right here. Go with me to Matthew chapter 18. Can um, Matthew chapter 18. I'm about here flipping through the back of the Old Testament. Where's Matthew at? Then Peter came to him and said, Lord, how often shall my brother sin against me and I forgive him? Up to seven times. Now this is Peter talking. Notice how the Lord don't change it just to seven times, but he says 70 times seven. 
because Peter's jacked up anyway. He cuts people's ears off, cuss. Mind the book. So well, he didn't cuss. Yeah, he did. Remember, he cussed in front of the teenage girl. So I didn't even know the man. Then he started cussing, so they wouldn't believe he went to church. <laughs> Jesus said, I, I, I said to him, I, I do not say to you up to seven times, but up to 70 times seven. The most offensive guy asked how many, how many times he got to forgive somebody who's going to do something to him. Therefore, the kingdom of heaven is like a certain king who wanted to settle accounts with his servants. And when he had begun to settle accounts, one was brought to him who have owed him 10,000 talents. But as he was not able to pay, his master commanded that he be sold with his wife and his children and all that he had and that the payment be made. The servant therefore fell down before him saying, Master, have patience with me and I'll pay you all. Then the master of the servant was moved with compassion, released him, forgive him the debt but that servant went out and found one of his fellow servants who owed him a hundred denario and laid hands on him and took him by the throat saying pay me what you owe so his fellow servant fell down at his feet and begged him saying have patience with me and I will pay you all and he would not but went and threw him into prison till he should pay the debt so when his fellow servant saw what had been done they were grieved and came and told their master all that had been done. Then his master, after he called him, said to him, You wicked servant, I forgave you all the debt because you begged me. You should not also, you should, you, should you not also have had compassion on your fellow servant just as I had pity on you. Verse 34. And his master was angry and delivered him to the tortures until he should pay all that was due him. Now let's read this last verse together. Verse 35. So my heavenly Father also will do to you. New Testament. So will my heavenly Father also do to you if each of you from his heart does not forgive his trespasses or his brother. He also says it in the book of Mark chapter 11. If you got out with your brother, go place your money right there on the altar and get over here to the side and get it right. Roll me right there, Gavin. Now this is what, listen to me right here, I'm done. Jesus said in Matthew 18, if I don't forgive that person, how, this is how... This is how we know. What, what, do, you, what do you think about? Because I, 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 see, some of you I know I can, raise, I can just talk about certain names and see, see our blood pressure change. Don't turn it up too high. We, we, we see, we, our blood pressure begin to change. We talk about that person that done you like that at school or done you like that on your job. What comes to your mind? Oh, that son of a gun's going to get what's in his lane. I'm telling you, if that's a thought, your heart's not right with God. Just cut that off. There's something not right with that. It's not playing like it, it should have. The audio's uh, not right. And so, with that, with that, with that deal, I'm going to give you a, a, an example of what happened. We were called 
on a Sunday night to go to the hospital, I told you this a couple of times in a funny way, but I don't be serious with it, that there was a nurse there that called me and said, I need you to come to the hospital. There's a lady manifesting a demon down here. So I'm thinking it's a patient in the hospital. We're going down there. And my first thoughts were, I'm just not a devil or a witch hunter. I just don't think there's a demon around every bush. That's just not me. You know what I'm saying? But I can tell you this, the ones I have, I mean, there ain't no questions. You don't have to go get Neil Anderson's bondage breaker or Spirit of Python and all that to figure it out. When they dare, they dare. And so, the, um, we, and I just, I said, man, there's just, this person's not demonized. They just don't believe it. So, they got to find out it wasn't a patient. It was another nurse manifesting a demon. So, we got there. I, I told you this, when our feet hit the parking lot, the person's head turned almost like an owl. I mean, I can't describe, I'm just telling you, they turned just like an owl. I said, that's a demon right there. There's no doubt. We, we got a devil right here. So we got there, and you know, man, and I mean, uh, the first thing, I, I don't know what you do. I mean, I'm not going to sit there, and a lot of, I've heard people say, well, you just need to find out his name. Why are you going to ask the devil his name when he's the father of lies? He ain't doing nothing but lying anyhow. I don't care what his name is. I'm to come with the name of Jesus. Come on, somebody. Anyhow, we got this girl. We got this girl free, but that she just was not. There was something there that we could not get past, that we just couldn't get her free. And I mean, I done prayed everything I know to pray, and we could not get her free. And I asked the Lord. I just stopped and I said, Father, I said, why can't why can't we break this right here? I said, why can't you know why why can't we break it? And the Spirit of the Lord spoke to me clear as a bell and said, I cannot help her. No further. Now, you, I'm just telling you. And the Lord says this. He said, tell her to forgive. We wonder why. Listen, people get mad when we get on these subjects as ministers. But I'm telling you this. Like in John G. Lake in his day, when he laid hands on if you wasn't healed, you were taken to a, you were taken to a room on the side. Was you not, Junior? And they would counsel you on the issues of the heart. This is roadblocks to prosperity. This is roadblocks to healing. Everything, a breakthrough in your life because of people that you've held on to and you will not forgive. Because I'm telling you, underneath the lion's skin, we still want to see them fall. So I asked the girl, I'm praying, I said, I feel like the Lord is saying that you have unforgiveness in your life. When I said that, she got violent. And she was slinging out some curse words and everything. She said, I'll never forgive. And I looked at her this. I said, well, we can't help you. And I said, neither can the Lord Jesus Christ help you. But I said, if you want to be free today, I said, forgiveness doesn't mean that you go. It was, it was her ex-husband. I said, forgiveness don't mean you going out on a date with him. Forgiveness just simply means as I release this person from my life and I release them from the judgment that I think that they deserve. I release them. That girl wrestled for a second. And she said, all right. She said, I choose to forgive. When she said that, pow, instantly she was transformed. And if the guy was standing with me that was there, was standing right here, I'm telling you instantly, instantly, she looked five to ten years younger, instantly in her face. Now let me tell you this, not only do you got to forgive those that wrong you, some of us in here has got to forgive ourselves. 
you're never going to love you till you let you go. You can't do nothing about that father. I'm telling you, Amanda, will you come right and help me? You can't do nothing about that father that did nothing. You can't, you can't do nothing about it. Some of us in here been like Mephibosheth. Man, he was just a kid. And the news came back that Saul and Jonathan were killed and the nurse was running. The person that was supposed to protect him was running down the stairway and fell on him and hurt him and crippled him. Some of us have been crippled. We've been crippled by words. Words from parents that says, you've never done, you've fallen 800 times, you're never gonna make it. We gotta let it go. I... There was, there was some, just, so, just like this, I lost my dad when I was 26. I went through this season where I had to, I had to forgive my dad for leaving earth. That may sound crazy, but selfishly it wounded me. Like, why did you leave me here? There was a lot of stuff that still needed to be done. I don't understand that. And you know, I'll never wrap my mind around that. I had my, you know, God saved my uncle and my cousin said this, that God loved us too much to take him home. Well, what did you say? He didn't love me? I mean, I don't understand that. I'm just telling you there's mysteries and things we'll never understand until we look Jesus in the face. But I promise you if I see him face to face, that's probably not a question that'll ever come out of my mouth. Because it won't matter in that moment. I'm telling you, you say, well, why can't this? I remember this. We had somebody. We had, I, had, I had a close friend to walk away from me from the church when I was in Alma. And I remember one day talking to Kim Mullis on the phone and I said this, I said, the church is never over it. I said, the church is never over this blow. And he spoke back through the phone and he made me mad. I'm going to tell you right now, he ticked me off when he said it. But, it when he, but I knew it was God. He said, the church is never over it because you never over it. I'm trying to tell you, friend, listen to me. You can bet your bottom dollar this. You can mark it down on your calendar right now that you heard this fat, bald-headed man right here in Sparks, Georgia today that God has set the calendar. I'm telling you. I know whether I'll stand and look in the barrel of a gun and tell you that God has set the calendar in heaven and we better get things right. Do you hear me, friend? I said you better make it right. I've seen brothers against brothers long enough. God's sick of that. Kind. I, there's parents that don't even talk to their kids and they got their hands raised. I'm telling you, it's pathetic in the eyes of God. You're not holy. When the very basic things, we want the great revelation, but we want to look, overlook this. What is God saying? It's time to forgive and let it go. Let it go. Let it go. Just let it go. Just let it go. It don't matter who was right. It don't matter how you was wrong. If Joseph could look at his brothers and say, boys, fill the sack up, put the money back in it. And this is what Joseph said to his brothers. Man, dude, just been hell. I'm not going to lie to you. It's been a journey. But what you thought you were doing for evil... This was God the whole time. This was God the whole time. God set me on ahead of you to preserve our family through the, fam through the famine. Why? Because we're the patriarchs, boys. We're the 12 tribes. 
We're going to cross the Jordan. We're going to leave Egypt. I know God's brought us here, but he promised our granddaddy we're going to leave after 400 years. God's going to raise up a man named Moses to bring us out of here. And then Moses is going to have a son named Joshua to take us into the promised land. It was God. I went to a job interview one time when Kathy and I first got married. Our life was in Jessup. And in the South, you know that the system works on the good old boy, right? Somebody you know, right? Y'all, I guess y'all, y'all, it don't work like that, Maydale. Come on. So I was a sure hire. I'm moving from the phone company, going to work for Satilla REA. The only deal, I just didn't want to climb the poles with hooks. You know, I just ain't no fan. I like, prefer a bucket truck, you know what I'm saying? Especially now, when you get 205 like this, you won't get on the hooks. <laughs> the guy knew, knew this guy well. Man, I was just going in interviews. I, just, you know, I knew I got a job. Not only that, because I know your boss, and you interviewed me, and your boss told me I got a job. I didn't get the job. I was ticked. I was confused. God, my whole life is in Jessup. Year after that, I'm on a pheasant hunt in Midway, Georgia, at the Dorchester Plantation, and the guy that was supposed to hire me. I said, I'm just curious. Number one, I know you got chewed out. Why didn't you hire me? He said, that night when I prayed, he said, it's a, he, he, said, he said, I felt like God said, I was not to hire you. Now, I'm telling you, friend, if he would have hired me, he would have screwed. I mean, he would have just messed my destiny all up. But I couldn't see nothing but right there where I was at in that moment. God sees the big picture. Some of us are destined to be with people from the foundations of the world, but we're not with them today because of offense. God said, mend it, make it right. Stand with me. Thanks for listening to this message. For more exciting content, visit our website at sparkswillfly.cc and connect with us on social media.